0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station.
1: As of now, as of today, as of a couple of days ago, I guess technically, Alberta now has a carbon tax. We join B.C. as the provinces with a carbon tax. Ontario's trying the cap and trade approach. Obviously, come next year, we'll have a federal carbon price, so provinces are going to have to deal with that. So what is it going to mean? We see already, we saw over the weekend, the price of gas jumped up uh, 4.5 cents a liter, although it's come down a little bit uh, at the beginning of the week and the end of the long weekend. We're going to see it on home he- heating bills, so we're going to see it in a lot of other ways. On the flip side of that, though, a lot of Albertans are going to see rebates to offset those increased costs. In fact, some low-income Albertans may even come out slightly ahead when you look at what they'll be getting in rebates and what they pay each month in these kinds of costs. But what are we accomplishing through this approach? What is it going to mean to the average Albertan? I'm going to go through some of this. Joining us on the line is Trevor Toom, assistant professor of economics, University of Calgary, also a research fellow at the School of Public Policy at the U of C. Trevor, welcome back to the program.
0: Hi, great to be here. Well, and
1: happy new year to you. Happy new year. All right, just to put things in perspective, I want to start with a tweet that you put up earlier today. I think it's your pinned tweet on your Twitter page. Just for perspective, you write that in Alberta, carbon taxes and import tariffs have similar costs the former creates anger, the latter does not. So why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, this is a really important and interesting question, that uh, different taxes are perceived differently by people. Some are much more salient than others. Even within the carbon tax, we focus almost entirely on the price of gasoline for our vehicles but neglect to a large extent the price of natural gas for home heating. Even though at the end of the day, the budget effect for your average household of those two different types of fuels are roughly the same. And then on the income tax side, the average Alberta household uh, pays $21,000 a year in income taxes to both the federal and provincial governments. Uh, And so compared to the maybe $300 or so average carbon costs, This year and four hundred and fifty dollars next year. It's just orders of magnitude different, and yet generates a great deal of opposition. And I thought tariffs were interesting since they are very similar. The average Alberta household pays about three hundred dollars to the federal government in import tariffs, uh, and that's just a a little bit more than the average total carbon cost this year.
1: As you say, though, this this tax is a little more visible, uh, isn't it? And and people tend to react more than, than, you know, when we have visible taxes, like sales tax, like with the GST, for example, that, that generates more of a reaction from people.
0: Mm-hmm. And as an economist, it's, it's uh, interesting that most of the tax recommendations we have on offer are the least popular. Uh, the GST is hugely unpopular, if you look at polling results on that, because we see it every time we buy something, whereas corporate income taxes are one of the most popular things to raise. We saw that here in Alberta last year in the last... Uh, or I guess two years ago now in the election, in 2015, um, th- even though they have substantial economic distortions and costs to the average person, to our wages, to the prices of the goods and services that we buy, those costs are, are hidden. So it's hard to get uh, angry about the things you can't see, even if those things are bigger.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about this carbon tax because it is going to manifest itself in a number of ways. We've talked about gasoline. We've talked about uh, home heating. We'll we'll see it in other ways. But what's the actual impact on on the average Albertan?
0: All right. So the average Albertan is really going to see it in three broad ways. So one, uh, we've all seen the four and a half cent per litre. Uh, effect on gasoline prices, and the average household here spends just a little over 2,000 liters or buys a little over 2,000 liters, so 2,200 liters of gas, and so that's about $100 a year. Then on natural gas, that's going to be about a $1 increase per gigajoule, and given how much natural gas the average household uses, that, again, is almost about $100 a year. But then fuel and and heating, uh, natural gas for buildings, is also going to affect business costs, and those costs will be passed through onto the price of, you know, most of what we buy, depending on the emissions intensity of those goods. So those indirect costs uh, will add up to maybe $100 this year and $150 next year. So those are kind of the three broad ways in which we will uh, experience the carbon tax. On the flip side of that is the rebate for roughly two out of three uh, households to try and offset the effects that carbon pricing has on uh, household budgets. Well, and, and I guess
1: the point of a carbon tax is that we're supposed to feel it. We're supposed to notice it. It's supposed to induce us to, to change our ways.
0: Uh, and, and it does that by changing prices. Uh, the goal is not to make us poorer. Uh, it's to change the prices that we see and then within our budget constraints that we all face, make slightly different choices. So the rebate is in no way related to the carbon taxes that we pay. So I think a lot of people are under the impression that the rebate is a refund of taxes paid. That's not the case. It's really just a lump of money, Uh, $200 for a single person, $100 for the spouse that'll grow next year. So it's just a lump, and you keep it regardless of how much fuel you happen to use.
1: Part of the argument against that approach, or even an argument against a revenue-neutral carbon tax, is that if you take away the economic pain, you you take away the incentive to change. And What are you accomplishing there? Well,
0: the the economic pain from a carbon tax, uh, I wouldn't put it that way, but if we want to put it that way, it exists at the margin when we're buying emissions-intensive goods. So if we buy an additional liter of gas, that's going to be a little more expensive than it used to be. And so that will make us think about uh, maybe changing the vehicle that we own or where we live or driving patterns, things like that. And so the price change is what gives us the incentive, not us being poorer. Uh, A good way to think about this is um, uh, by one of my colleagues here, Blake Schaefer, has this interesting thought experiment. You go to a bar. You walk in the front door and they hand you a $5 bill, but they've changed the prices of certain beers. You can take that $5 and and buy whatever beer you want, and odds are you would switch into the beers whose prices didn't go up as much. So income effects and substitution effects are are very different. People react to prices, whereas the income change is spread basically across everything that we buy.
1: Yeah, well, and, and look, the, the Premier got criticized for what seemed like a, a flippant response that, you know, people can just walk or take the bus, right? I mean, today I got up, very cold outside, got to heat the house, got to drive to work. I, I'm not sure what I would have changed today. Uh, a lot of that is not really a choice. It's, it's, it's a necessity for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I don't see myself changing either. Uh, (laughs) The point is not to make everybody change and to make everybody do the same change. The point is to create incentives that allow different households in different circumstances to make decisions that make sense for them. And in some cases, that means not changing. And in other cases, it might mean that a household responds a lot. Maybe someone has, uh, you know, caulking that needs replacing, or they haven't got one of those nifty nest thermostats yet. You know, I'm not sure how different Mm -hmm. people will respond. The evidence is, though, looking at experiences in BC, for example, is that the overall effect is for lots of decisions to be made that lowers emissions on the whole.
1: Well, BC is an interesting example because I think when we talk about the the potential benefits of this approach or the downside of this approach, we can look at what the experience has been in B.C. What has the experience been? How much has it affected their economy and how much has it affected their emissions?
0: Yeah, so different estimates exist on this. And so that's, that's one of the issues with a carbon tax is that the effect on emissions is not as certain as, say, a cap and trade system like Ontario adopted also just a couple days ago. Uh, So in BC, the studies that have been done looked at, you know, gasoline sales, uh, looked at emissions overall, and across all the different studies, you know, roughly speaking, their carbon tax has lowered emissions by about 10% or so relative to where it would have otherwise have been. Um, we can also look to Newfoundland. Uh, Nick Rivers, an economist at the University of Ottawa, kind of looked at the recent and massive increase in gasoline taxes in Newfoundland. They hiked it by 13.5 cents overnight uh, in June of last year. And you can just look in the retail sales data following that large increase, and in gasoline sales fell. Um, so, so there's definitely a lot of evidence in a, in a lot of ways that suggest that demand curves slope down, and they down for energy in particular. And so when you make it more expensive, uh, we will use less of it. Well,
1: I mean, the economy of B.C. at the moment almost seems to be driving the Canadian economy. B.C. is doing well. And maybe I'm not saying that's because of the carbon tax, but um, it hasn't precluded B.C. from thriving.
0: Right, right. Now, I, I, I don't want to suggest that the carbon tax is good for the economy. There's, there are economic costs involved no matter you know what particular choice of policy instrument we adopt. If we go the regulatory route or if we follow Saskatchewan and do kind of large-scale technology subsidies uh, or cap-and-trade like Ontario or carbon tax like we did, all of them have costs. Uh, the effect of Alberta's approach is probably to shave about – 0.05% from GDP growth. Uh, had we gone full revenue neutrality, and in particular with an emphasis on corporate income tax reductions, that economic cost, just based on some numbers from the Ecofiscal Commission, looks like it would be about 0.02%. So, so we're really talking about not large economic costs. And that's the beauty of, of carbon pricing. It's the least cost way of approaching these, these emissions reductions.
1: But as you said, it will have a slight negative impact on, on GDP. And and I yeah. guess when we look at Alberta in 2017, we're, we're hoping this is kind of that, you know, we've, we've seen bottom, this is going to be a year of, of growth. Uh, how much is that going to interfere with with this recovery?
0: Well, just a 0.05% shaving off of GDP growth is something that would be very hard to actually see in the data relative to just the margin of error that the data is even measured with. Uh, so uh, it... it would not be believable for anyone to say that the carbon tax or the plan overall is going to have some large effect on GDP or interrupt what's expected to be uh, a year of modest growth and as
1: you say though there, there's a, a, any alternative to a carbon tax also has cost costs cost in, uh, to two individuals costs on the economy uh, so how, wh- how do we compare the carbon tax because I think a lot of people are, are comparing. The carbon tax to no carbon tax. Uh, and some of the political parties in Alberta are saying, yep, we'll get rid of the carbon tax without really talking about what they might do instead. So yeah. where, where do carbon taxes compare?
0: Yeah, this is, this is a puzzling, to me, puzzling part of the debate. Uh, there, there's a lot of opposition to the carbon tax, but not a lot of opposition to doing anything on emissions. I mean, we could look to our neighbor to the east, uh, Saskatchewan there. Brad Wall is not doing nothing. He, he's doing quite a bit. He wants to bring the renewable share of electricity up to 50 percent, spend a billion and a half dollars on a carbon capture and sequestration project. So he, he is taking action. Um, it's just per ton abated. It's very expensive. The carbon capture project, roughly speaking, it's about hundred dollars per reduction, uh, per ton of reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And so pricing is a cheaper way to go. So if we're going to lower emissions at all, economists are almost universally uh, recognize the evidence that pricing is is cheaper. And so for the opposition to uh, not want pricing but still want to take action, that suggests they're going to take more costly uh, regulatory action. But uh, in fairness to them, it might just be that scrap the tax is just a slogan, whereas what they really mean is fix the tax, uh, and they might have in mind replacing inefficient regulations or making the tax revenue neutral, and so those kind of details I really hope uh, do come out uh, from opposition parties.
1: Well, it's interesting because next year the federal carbon price kicks in, and so there'll be uh, choices, I guess, the provincial governments have to make, but it seemed maybe there was an opportunity here to say, well, let's Let's scrap the Alberta plan, and we'll, we'll implement this, this pricing next year.
0: Yeah, so that's because it only would have been $10 a ton in 2018. But by 2019, even if uh, the opposition wins that election, uh, by 2020, the federal minimum price will be $30. Uh, and so then there's, there's no escaping uh, a $30 a ton price on carbon, and that'll be the price that Alberta sets. And so hopefully then it's just a, an issue of um, changing some of the details about the way in which the carbon price was introduced, in particular, uh, the revenue neutrality or the replacing inefficient regulations.
1: All right. Well, we'll see how things play out this year. Trevor, appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. My
0: pleasure. Thanks All for right, having me All right.
1: Take care. On. Trevor Toom, economist, uh, University of Calgary, also research fellow with the U of C School of Public Policy.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge,
1: starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.